That was awesome. <laughs> and disturbing, right? I can't say too much. My uh, music video will be released soon, and so I will be just as painful. Did you see that necklace he had on? That was amazing. I love it. Love it. Well, my name's Ryan. If we've never met before, I would lo love to meet you. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And of course, we're jumping into a brand new series called Our Mixtape, Seven Love Songs, right, to really fall in love to. And, and that's what we're going to be diving into is a whole conversation about love and dating and marriage and sex and kind of the whole gamut, the whole spectrum of relationships. And uh, one thing that's really fascinating as we dive into a conversation about this series, right, that mixtape, if, if you don't know what that that is, that is a cassette tape. And uh, there's a good possibility you've never seen one of those before. Before, right, that was the thing before the CD. You might not know what that is either. I recognize that. But it's fascinating that music styles will change. Uh, the devices and kind of the things that we listen to music will change. But isn't it amazing that love songs never go out of style, right? Love is always relevant. It's always around. And there's a reason for that. Right? Because falling in love and staying in love is something that is kind of always on our minds. It's a huge part of our lives. Whether we're trying to fall in love or trying to find someone or we're trying to stay in love and kind of keep a relationship going, romantic relationships will take up a huge portion of most of our lives. And it's a fascinating thing. That's what we're going to dive into is kind of looking at that whole gamut of relationships. And we want to start today really at the very beginning uh, where we're talking about attraction and dating, right? Attraction and dating. And what's fascinating about attraction and dating is it is such a powerful force when you are attracted to someone, isn't it? Right? When you are connected to someone, you first begin that dating relationship, it is magnetic, it is intoxicating, and the dating relationship itself can lead into all kinds of arenas, right? A dating relationship can lead all the way through. If you stick with it, it might go all the way to marriage, right? That might affect the entire outcome of your life. A dating relationship can also lead to kind of great pain or damage. Some of our biggest scars and heartbreaks go back to a dating relationship, that one bad breakup. You might be in the middle of it, or you may look back in the rearview mirror at it and say, oof, I remember when that happened. And it was all around a dating relationship. Right? But one thing's for sure, dating relationships are absolutely intoxicating. They grab your attention and they have unbelievable amount of power. What other relationship can you think of that you, you can literally know a stranger, barely know someone, or know someone as an acquaintance or friend, and then within a matter of moments, a matter of hours, that person becomes the most important person in your life. It's fascinating. I remember when Lori and I, my wife and I, began dating. Uh, we've been married over 15 years. But when we first started dating back in college, it was exactly like that for us. I chased my wife like crazy, right? I was just like doggedly persistent. Look at her. She's hot, right? <laughs> she is. It's okay. It's okay to notice. See that? That's before my hair migration from my head to my face. It's all right. I like it better this way. It works. Right, but I, was, I would ask her out and ask her out, and finally she said yes, and I was like, I have hit the lottery. Like all things, right? This is amazing. I, I got Lori Kelly was her name then. Her name is Lori Roadman now. Yes, that's my last name. But I was like, I got Lori to say yes. This is amazing. And then we both just went insane, right? Be, because all we wanted to do was be together. We didn't want to eat. 
We didn't want to sleep. We wanted to talk on a phone. And by the way, this was a phone that was attached to a wall. If, if you, I don't know that back then that you, we had those things. There's before cell phones. Right? We, would, we would talk on the phone until two or three in the morning. I was like, I'm going to flunk out of college. Like, I got to get a hold of this thing. It was crazy. We were just intoxicated by our love for each other, right? That is the power of attraction. Question is, where does that come from? Why is that, why does that attraction hit and why does it hit so hard? Where did that originate from? I want to look at that, kind of the original romantic relationship that we're going to see happen is, is really all the way back to the beginning. You've got to almost go back to the original design, all the way back to the book of Genesis, where kind of everything started. And if I gave you a little bit of context, if you opened to the kind of the beginning of your Bible and you read through the first chapter, so here's kind of what you would see. God would be creating everything. He would create light, and he would say, this light is good. And then he, he would create the moon and the sun and the stars, and he would say, this is good. He'd create the ground and the sky and say, man, this is good. Creates the fish, the birds, the animals, good, good, good. And then we run into a moment, and as a reader, as you're reading through the Bible, you're supposed to just kind of get struck by this moment where God is going to create something and then say, it's not good. And as the reader, you're supposed to be kind of jarred by that and say, ooh, what's going on here? Why would God make something and have it be not good or not complete might even be a better word. And here's what he's going to say. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Right? God makes Adam. He creates the first man. He hasn't yet created Eve, the first woman. And he looks at Adam. He says, this is not okay. This is not good. It's not finished. It's not complete. So he goes on. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And ladies, don't, don't read that as just, just a helper. What God's saying is, I, I'm, I'm going to make woman and she's going to be the other half right? The, the rest of, he's, she is going to be an agent of completion, and the two of them together will represent what humanity and my vision for humanity is all about, right? So, so this helper suitable, don't think of this as a condescending phrase. This is a huge compliment. It's kind of the other half of the story, so to say. Man and woman being created. God's going to look at that and say, this isn't good. This isn't a good situation. So here's what's going to happen. Rather than God just jumping right to the point of creating Eve, he does something fascinating. He's going to take Adam and kind of train, take a train of the animals that he's created or a tour of the animals he's created, and Adam is going to have a job to do. This is amazing to see. Walk you through it. Next verse, 219. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Goes on, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So God does something fascinating with Adam. Here's Adam, the first man ever created. He's alone, and God recognizes his aloneness. Now Adam's job is to go through and name each and every animal. And as he does that, right, and he interacts and he names the pig and the cow and the iguana, he, right, he sees all these animals and he recognizes that one's not like me. 
Is this going to be the one that's going to complete me? Is this my helper suitable? Is this the one I'm looking for? Right? And, and as he goes through and names all these animals, there's a need created in Adam. He sees it more and more that none of these are what I'm looking for. None, none of these animals are going to be the one that kind of fills out the rest of who I am. Who is it, right? He's never seen a woman before. Then God does something amazing, right? It says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib or the side of the man that he had taken when he caused Adam to go into a deep sleep. He says, he's taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman for she was taken out of man. If you take this phrase back to the original Hebrew, this is bone of my bones, what that literally translates to, baby, you fine. <laughs> right? right? He saw the woman and he was like, that's what I've been looking for. Ooh, she is a hottie, right? She is like me, but not like me in all the right ways, right? And she's like, I want to be with Eve. That's what I've been looking for. Right? He's going to cry out, and that's what we should actually see in the, the real Hebrew here is he's looking at woman, he's saying, that's the other part of me. That's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been looking for that I haven't found in anything else in creation. I've been looking for woman. I've been looking for Eve. So God is going to allow them, right? They, they're attracted to one another. What's going to happen here? Moses, the writer of Genesis, is going to look back at this first relationship and he's explaining to the people he's leading, he's saying, now this, right, back at creation, Adam and Eve, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked. They were naked, right? They were naked and they felt no shame. Before sin entered the world, before anyone had done anything wrong, you have Adam and Eve in love, in attraction, in marriage, sexually active, and there's no sin, right? A gift of God. The fact that God would give this romantic relationship, it shows us this is a good thing, and this is where it all starts, and this is where it all comes from. God made men and women for a purpose. We fit together, and we complete each other on the highest levels we're incomplete in many ways in humanity without each other. And we know that kind of instinctually. This is why in Genesis, he's going to summarize it and say, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. These two genders together, as you look at them next to one another, you see an image, a representation of who God is. That's how it's made to be. And that's why we are attracted to one another, because it's built into our very DNA, into the fabric of who we are. Now, it doesn't just start there and kind of stay there, of course. We're going to see that attraction roll throughout the Bible, even in kind of a fallen world, even when sin enters the world. Now, of course, we're affected and tainted by that to some degree, but romance is going to continue to be celebrated in the Bible. And there's a fascinating book of the Bible, if you've never read it, it's called The Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. Fascinating book. It's kind of a poetic book, and it's all about a young man and a young woman who are falling in love with each other. They, they kind of date each other, so to say, or court is probably a better word, and they 
marry one another, and it's a celebration of their love for each other. So we'll be kind of in and out of that book all throughout this series. It's a fascinating thing, but we're going to continue to see this attraction language show up in how this young man and this young woman see each other and how they connect to each other in dating. Here's what uh, kind of the, the young man is going to say first. He's going to say, how beautiful are you, my darling? Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. We'll stop there. That's kind of her part, or his part, excuse me. He's going to look at, at her and he's going to say, listen, you are beautiful. I notice you. I notice your, your appearance. Your eyes are doves. In the, in the ancient world, a dove would have been kind of a symbol of seduction. So he's literally just kind of saying, your eyes are sexy. I notice, right? And he's going to look at her. He's going to say that. I, I think it's important that we grab this and recognize that sometimes the church will look at attraction and say, you know what? It's dangerous because it is. It's powerful. And we'll almost look at attraction and being attracted to one another and say, let's pretend that that doesn't really happen. Let's pretend that doesn't exist. Men and women shouldn't really be attracted to each other. We, we should just be married and, and sex and attraction and all those things. It's just for procreation, right? You should just be married and not really notice that you're really hot or not, right? And, and, and we'll just put it away. That's not what the Bible does. The Bible's going to look and say, ooh, I notice. I see you. I see those eyes. She's going to look at him and say, how handsome are you, my beloved? Oh, how charming, right? Ooh, you're charming. She notices. She's like, you got, I see those arms, right? <laughs> not my arms, right? His arms. <laughs> she notices. She picks up on it. And that's important for us to grab hold of and recognize it's fine to be attracted to each other. If we're dating, you're looking to date somebody and you notice and there's a chemistry or an attraction, that's fine. That's not wrong. It's not evil. It's not bad. You don't have to pretend it's not there. If you're dating someone and you're attracted to each other, good. You probably should be, right? You probably should have some level of connection to one another. Listen to what the lady says here also in Song of Songs chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, she goes all the way, she says, ooh, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She's like, give me that kiss. She said, for your love is more delightful than wine. It is intoxicating. She says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. So kind of like today, we're going to wear colognes or oils or perfumes. They needed to even more back in the ancient world. Think no modern plumbing. Mm-hmm. Yep, so you needed to wear something, right? But this is a good tip, period, right? When we look, look, she's going to say, I want to I kiss you. You smell good, fellas, right? This is a great tip for us for dating. Smelling good, super positive thing, right? We, we want to smell good, shower, make it, you want to be clean. That whole thing is real important. Now, cologne's fine. Don't, over, don't, don't overdo it, right? One puff. None of this. Uh-uh. no. No, right? You just do one puff and you're good to go, right? Smelling good, positive thing. She's going to recognize this guy smells good. I want to kiss him. I'm attracted to him. We're all in good territory. Now, what's fascinating is she recognizes, we're going to see here in a minute, that, that their attraction for each other has to go beyond the physical. Right? It has to go beyond just, I notice your look and you notice my look. Right? I notice your killer body, and you notice mine. It's got to go beyond the physical, and it, it needs to go deeper than that. 
Here's how I put it in your notes. I said, our attraction has to move beyond an interest in how you look to a passion for who you are. Our attraction has to move beyond an interest in how you look to a passion for who you are. You say, why is that? Well, here's why. You can't build long-lasting love off of physical attraction to each other. You just can't. You can try, but the reality, if that's the base of our relationship, is, is I just want to be with you sexually, physically. I just notice you, and what I really like about you is that hot body. What I really like is that, is that look that you got, just how you look in that outfit, mm, right? If I'm picking a date based on an online platform where it's only pictures, right, and I got to swipe right for a hookup, like, that can't build a foundation for a long-lasting relationship. Say, so why not? Because the very thing that we're building a relationship on is going to change on us, right? Physically, we are all going to change, right? Babies are going to come. Sickness is going to happen. Gravity is going to hit. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's real, right? Wrinkles are going to happen. Hair migrations are going to happen, right? You, you name it. We are not going to look the same in 10 or 20 or 30 years that we look today. So if we build our, our relationship, if I actually want love, if I want to have a long-lasting relationship that, that I can kind of be proud of and be excited about and find that deep fulfillment, not just that temporary thrill, I got to go deeper than just that initial attraction. It's fine that it's there. It's not wrong. It just has to go deeper into the, the character, the, the person that I'm actually dating. I need to know who are you? What do you like on the inside? And this is fascinating as we kind of see that the woman, this young lady is going to dive into that even deeper. If you finish that verse we just looked at about smelling good, she finishes and says, your name is like perfume poured out. So in the ancient world, what you would do is on special occasions, they would have oils or perfumes or incense, and they would kind of open those up, and the room would have a fragrance to it, a perfume poured out. And everybody knows that that was kind of the fragrance of celebration, that this is something to be excited about, something to be proud of. And she looks at him, and she says, that's what your name is like, who you are is someone to be celebrated. Everybody who knows you, everybody who hears your name, knows and celebrates who's behind that name. Big deal. Right? And ladies, this is what we're looking for. If I can kind of talk to you like a, a brother, this is what we're searching for. Ladies, we're looking for a man with a name. Can you, can you look for that man that, that is respected by the people around him? Right, a man of character and integrity, uh, a man of love, a man who, right, his team wants him on that team, or the boss wants him in his business, right? Somebody who people respect, somebody who is trustworthy and reliable, so, so much so that when you hear the name, what's attached to it is, is respect, and there's people that say, boy, I would want that name connected to my name, you want to look for a man with a name. And here's a great test to know. If, if you're starting to date somebody, or you're interested in somebody, or somebody's interested in you, here's a great test for whether or not a guy has 
a name that you're looking for. If you want to take that name and run it by the people around you that you love and trust the most, right? So your brother or your dad or your sister or your best friend or your life group leader, your pastor, and you would take that name and you kind of float it out there and see what happens. And if you throw that name out there and you get a, huh, that's not a good sign. I'm just saying, if you get a look at the ground, that's really bad. Right? You never want to get that. If you say that name and you have the blunt friend, they're going to just tell you, you are an idiot. Right? They're going to just like jump right at you and say, do not date that person. That person's name is not something you want to be attached to. Don't you know who that man is? Don't you know what he's really about? Right? It's not that, that he's an evil person. He's just not somebody that's in your kind of range of dating right now. What does that name blow back at you when you throw it out to friends and trusted people kind of on your wisdom team? When you do that, what you want to look for, here's what I encourage you ladies, is to look for a celebration of that name. Ooh, an excitement. Ooh, that's ex Really? Oh, that's great. Congratulations. You want to see that light up from the people that you respect. I'd encourage you to aim high with it, not even to just get kind of a flat line answer, even if it's not negative, even if it's just kind of, okay, all right. right. You, you, don't, you don't want to settle for that. You want to go big, and you want, you want that name to be a name that's something you're proud of and the people in your life are proud to see you connected to. So here's the thing, if that thing all works out, that name might be your name one day. Right. You want to make sure it's a name that you're proud to be connected to and you're proud to be known by. And that's how this lady felt about the man she was dating. Right? She would look at him and say, I love it. I love him and I love who he is. I love how Proverbs says this. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I'll tell you, if you've been around Grace here for a whole bunch of years, you, you're probably familiar with some of these concepts. This has become kind of a core teaching on relationships that we've picked up over the years. And it's funny, now when I hear this teaching, uh, as a dad, I hear it differently. I've, I've got three daughters, right? So when I think about the kind of man that my daughters might connect to, I hear it differently, right? I think about... When, when my little girl brings a guy to me, he better have a name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that name better be good. If not, I'm, I got the shotgun. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I don't, but I might by then, right? So the thing is, I, I, I think about it differently. I want my girls to be protected and to be respected and to be loved. How are they going to find that? They're going to find that from finding a man who is worthy of them, who has a name that they're worthy to be kind of connected with. That's what we're all looking for. Right? And we're going to continue on, right? And men, what we're looking for is a woman with a heart, right? A woman with a heart. The lady here in Song of Songs, she's going to talk about herself in some pretty interesting language. We'll have to break it down a little bit. Let me read it, and then we'll talk about it. She says, dark am I, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem. 
dark like the tents of Cater, like the tent curtains of Solomon. She says, don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. Something you have to almost see the context of what's happening here in the ancient world to understand kind of her heart and what's happening. So she starts off almost apologetic and says, listen, I'm dark. I'm dark of skin. And in the ancient world, how this worked is women would prize their skin very, very highly. Right? The sun would beat down in the Middle East and, and people would work in the vineyards and they would take care of animals. And, right? They'd always be outside. And so a woman would protect her skin as much as she could to make sure it kind of didn't get damaged by the sun and get leathery because of being exposed. And what she's saying is, I, I've had to work really hard. We don't know the story of what happened here with her mother's sons, but, but she looks and she says, I, I had to take care of our family vineyards. I've been working diligently in the sun and, and in kind of submission and in support of my family, what I've done is given myself to that and what's, what's happened is my skin has been affected, right? She says, I'm dark. My skin isn't all that I want it to be, but I'm lovely. She's got a confidence about her. I love that. Right? She's going to say dark like the tents of Kedar, which would be black, like the tents, curtains of Solomon, which would be beautiful and luxurious, She's going to say, I'm kind of both of these things. I am dark yet lovely. And she would be a woman with a heart. So how does that show up? This woman would support the people around her, right? Her brothers, her family. She would care more about kind of her inner beauty and her character than she does her outer beauty and her appearance. This is what we're looking for, gentlemen. We're looking for a woman who is strong, who is hardworking, who is diligent, who is supportive of the people in her life, right? And who won't cave when things get difficult, who won't be selfish and won't won't run away when when things get difficult. And this is the kind of woman that we're looking for. When I think about a woman with a heart, I I think of my wife. Uh, My wife is a knockout, in my opinion. I think she's beautiful, and she is. What I love the most about my wife it is not her beauty, although it's amazing, right? It's not her beauty. It is her heart. So I, I can say something to you today that, that is worth its weight in gold. I can tell you my wife will never speak evil of me, period. My wife sees all of my flaws. She knows all of my shortcomings. I mean, I'm basically like non-functional, right? I, re- I have like no short-term memory. When I go to the grocery store, I'm like, honey, I got three items, right? If you put four, I'm not going to remember one, right? She, I don't even know how she lives with me, you know? But, but my wife will, she'll joke about me and have fun and all that good stuff, but she will never speak evil of me. She will support me through good and bad, high and low, that is worth its weight in gold, man. When I look at the, the mother that my wife is to, to my children, ah, oh, it's unbelievable. She gives the very best of herself in ways that none of you or I will ever even see or know. That is a woman with a heart, man. A woman who shows up and does the hardest thing, not the easiest or the sexiest thing, the real thing, the productive thing, 
the thing that is needed for the people in her life. I look and say, oh, that's a woman you can build your life with. Oh, man, if you're looking to date, I want that for you so bad, to find a woman with a heart, right? Look, look past the body and look past the looks and look into who that person is and, and, and who she is to the people around her right now and say, is there a heart there? Is there a hard work? Is there a strength? Is there a diligence? Is there a loyalty? Boy, that's, that's a woman worth connecting to. And you can, you can really go somewhere with a woman like that. Right, a woman with a heart. She can be beautiful, that's awesome. It's great, it's bonus. But that inner beauty is a non-negotiable. If it's not there, if she's not a woman with a heart, if she's all concerned about how she looks and her appearance and what you're driving and what you're making, right, and it's all surface and it's selfish, hmm, gotta pump the brakes. Right, if I flipped it back to the guy, to the lady and said, Look, listen, if your man doesn't have a name, if he's, right, if he's in and out of rehab, if he's in and out of a job every couple, you pump the brakes. Right, if it's not a man with a name, if it's not a woman with a heart, pause. I want to I slow it down. And I want to ask the question, why is this not being celebrated by the people in my life. All right, let's look at another kind of aspect of what it means to be a woman with a heart. Song of Songs 1-7. She goes on, she says, tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Now, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? This one's really embedded kind of in the culture. So here's what would happen back in this time there would be shepherds, kind of flocks of sheep, right, and animals. And as the shepherds made their way through, prostitutes would actually set up camp in these rhythms that where shepherds would come through. And they would offer themselves to the, the shepherds when they kind of went through town. And what she's saying is she's saying, I, I will not be like one of those women, right? I'm dignified. I don't want to be remotely associated with a woman who kind of offers her body cheaply and freely to men. I'm not doing that. I want to know where do, where do your flocks land? Where do you end up, right? Because I want to be there. You're going to protect me, and you're going to fight for my purity, right? She's a dignified woman. She's a woman with a heart. She does not just throw her body around and offer it freely to people. She look at herself and say, my body is important to me. My purity is important to me, and I will not offer it to anyone, and I will protect it, and I want to continue to be that kind of woman. Right, fellas, when you're interacting with a lady, if she's leading with giving her body to you, I want to slow it down. I understand that. Right, if she's not protective and if she's not slow in offering herself. Pump the brakes on that. I want to look at it. I want to understand it. Why? I want a woman with a heart. A woman who's going to fight for her dignity and protect it at great cost and be a woman who's worthy of great respect. Now, when you take those two together, man with a name, a woman with a heart, 
right, and they come together in relationship, something happens in a community. There's a response, right? There's a reaction almost. And the people in their lives take notice. And you can see the way that they would interact. This shows up in Song of Songs. So this is a kind of a refrain of the friends in their life and how they respond to their love. They say, we rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. These people evidently liked wine, right? But we, he's going to look and say, we, we are excited about your relationship. We look at you and we say, oh, you are good for you and you are good for you and you together are going to be better than you could be individually on your own. We celebrate your relationship. This is awesome, right? So if you're dating and you have to force the people in your life to celebrate you, if you have to look around and say, why aren't you supporting us? Why aren't you excited for us? Here's what we want to do. We want to say, wait a minute. I want, to, I want to hit the brakes on that. If people aren't freely celebrating your relationship, I want to take note of that. Why? You're excited about that dating relationship. Why aren't the people around you? Here, here's something we want to make sure we take note of. When I'm infatuated with someone, when I'm attracted to someone, there is an incredibly blinding effect that that attraction and that infatuation has onto the faults of the person that I'm with. It is blinding. I can't see them. I can't see that the, maybe even the toxic nature of the relationship of the person I'm with sometimes. Why? Because we are in love, right? And we are dating, and it's awesome. But the people around us who love us and who we trust, they can see it. And we want to listen to them. If we can slow down, if we can stop, if we can say, wait a minute, maybe my mom or my dad or my coach or my life group leader or my best friend who's looking me in the eye saying, don't do this, man. You want to think twice about this. Maybe they're not being jerks. Maybe they're not being unsupportive. Maybe they love you enough right, to, to put their face in front of yours and call you out of a dangerous or even a toxic situation. If you're not getting this response automatically, you want to know why, right? Why? Because the community is going to celebrate that love, because why? It's a beautiful thing. When two people with a man with a name and a woman with a heart come together, everybody looks at that and says, that is awesome. The healthy people in your life who are not responding out of jealousy, they're going to look and they're going to say, that's what I'm talking about. That's what relationships are supposed to be. That's what it's all about. Great job. We want to be there. Anything you need will be in your corner. If we get that response, we're on the right track. How do we wrap this conversation up today, right? Conversation one kind of in our series. I'm looking at attraction. I'm looking at dating. If I'm single today, I might look and say, if I'm a man, what's my name mean today? Not what do I hope it means in six months or in five years or ten years. If I was just like super honest about my name, what I'm representing, when the people in my life were really honest about me, what would my name mean? If you're a lady, are you a lady with a heart? A lady who's known for her dignity, her strength, her supportiveness, bringing her best into the situations where God has put her. 
if you're single and, and there's kind of a gap between maybe where your name is or where your heart is and where you think they should be, maybe closing that gap becomes the focus before I jump into dating. Right? Because dating, how it works is, is two healthy-ish, imperfect, but healthy-ish people that want to love someone else, right? Have extra to give. It's not two people looking to get out of a relationship and having you fill in and make me healthy, right? Am I a man with a name? Am I a woman with a heart? If not, why not? If I was super honest, why were those gaps there? If you're married today, might ask the same question. Fellas, what does your name mean today? I'll tell you this, there's nothing more attractive to a wife than a man, a husband, who continues to grow in his character, his integrity, the intensity of his love. Listen, the flip side's also true. There's nothing more devastating to a wife than a man that just settles in and lets his character and his integrity and the intensity of his love fade into the backdrop. Where's your name today? Ladies, the flip side's true for you if you're a wife. Where's your heart? I'll say the same thing. Your husband will never be more attracted to you than when you stand in his corner, when you're supportive, when you're strong, when you continue to grow as a woman of wisdom and passion and compassion and love. Your man will be attracted to you and attracted to that through a lifetime. The flip side's also true. And if you take your heart that was once open and soft and lovely, and if you, because of the pain of life, maybe if you close it and you become hardened, when you let bitterness set in, mm, that will repel the love of a husband. Where's my name? Where's my heart? And for all of us, I think we look at this conversation and say, Lord, I'm not who I want to be. Not completely, I'm not. What it does is, I think this bottom lines all of us. No, where, no matter where I am today, to, to say, if I want to change, if I want to become the kind of man or the kind of woman that God would envision me being, the only way that's going to happen is if I come back to Jesus. If I come back to him and say, God, would you change me from the inside out? It's the only way I've ever seen real, lasting change in my life. Well, I tell you what, I don't deserve the woman I have. I do not. And it is an act of God's grace that I'm with my wife today. So if you have tarnished your name, if your name is eroded, if you have closed your heart or given yourself away freely. Listen, forgiveness is available. A new start is available. That's why Jesus came to the planet. 
We can start over. We can be forgiven. And I can look and say, today is the day, God, I want to become the kind of man or the kind of woman that you envision me becoming. I surrender. I'm in. I can't do it on my own, Jesus. I need you to forgive me again, whether it's coming to know him for the first time or it's returning to a faith or it's maybe just looking and being honest and saying, I, I just haven't taken you seriously. I'm in. Would you let God speak to you about that today? Would you look to the vision, becoming a man with a name and a woman with a heart and say, I want that, no matter where we are. I'm going to have the band come out. I will pray for us. Would you let God speak to you today about who you are and who you might become? Father, we want to just stop here. And God, we want to say thank you for the gift of romantic love. Thank you for attraction and for marriage and all that goes with it. It's a beautiful thing. It certainly can be. And God, we we ask that you would help us in the ways that we've failed you, failed ourselves. And would you make us the kind of men and the kind of women that you envision us becoming? Men with a name and women with a heart. Would you make us worthy of each other? Help us to cling to your grace today knowing that you forgive freely. You long to meet us right where we are. There's nothing we have to do to earn your love or your forgiveness that it's freely offered. Lord, you work in our hearts today. Help us, God. Grow us, change us. Make us people of character. Meet us here even now, Lord.